Those who find ugly meanings in beautiful things are corrupt without being charming. This is a fault. Those who find beautiful meanings in beautiful things are decultivated. For those, there is hope. Do you know who I took this quote from? Hello everyone, I'm Irene Ridarelli, writer, blogger and a passionate reader. And this is Into the Books. From the preface, Oscar Wilde demonstrated his undeniable talent as a writer. I took the above quote directly from the introduction of The Picture of Dorian Gray, which is found in the first lines of the book. I chose it because I believe that, with few words, it describes the core of the book. If you are curious to know more about this masterpiece, but above all if you want to confirm if this novel deserves its fame, keep listening to today's episode. Dorian Gray, the protagonist, is an extremely handsome young man. To immortalize his more than good looks, he commissions Basil Allward to paint his portrait. Dorian's request to have his portrait done is nothing more than a display of his self-centeredness, and he manifests it right after Basil shows him the finished portrait. While viewing the result of Basil's work, Dorian says he would give anything to have the painting grow old and hideous while he remains young and beautiful. Those were just empty words but since Dorian explicitly says he would sell his soul for it, his wish is granted. From that moment on, Dorian does not age. It is his portrait that does. While Dorian lives a life full of all sorts of pleasures and self-indulgence, at the same time the figure in the painting changes, ages, weakens, and shows an ill-featured man with a deformed body. What Dorian does not know, or does not want to acknowledge, is that the painting is absorbing his depravity and reflecting it in the form of physical decay. The protagonist has obtained what he has wished for, so why isn't he happy? Why does he always feel the need to experience something new while moving further and further away from any kind of morality and integrity? The answer is quite simple. After several years of experiencing eternal youth, Donald regrets having expressed his wish. Many years later, Howard visits Dorian at his home and Dorian decides to show him the painting. At first, the artist does not recognize his own work. He had painted a young, handsome man full of life, but now he sees in the painting a horribly disfigured, aged and soulless man. Gradually, Basie realizes that the painting is a revelation of the nature of Dorian's corrupted soul. Looking at his portrait, Dorian feels hatred swell up inside him. 
He takes a knife and stops Basie repeatedly, as if he were responsible for his misfortune. Not long after, completely disgusted with his life and his actions, Dorian finally decides to destroy the portrait, certain that life will give him a second chance. What he doesn't know is that by destroying the painting, he is destroying himself. When he tries to stop the painting, the knife goes through his heart instead of the canvas. When the servants enter the room, they find lying on the floor an old man, terribly wrinkled. Were it not for the rings the man wears, they would never have recognized this person as their master. When they looked up, they see the portrait of a young and eternally handsome Dorian Gray hanging on the wall. I think that after reading the book, we can understand why this novel received so much criticism when it was published in 1891, and why Oscar Wilde wrote that preface where he talks about the moral and immoral book, the criticism and the freedom of expression of as an artist. At the time, the critics saw Dorian as nothing more than an immoral character. They did not understand what Oscar Wilde was really trying to communicate through Dorian, which is that by finding beauty everywhere, the death of the soul is avoided. But not beauty as aesthetics, but as the ability to see beauty even where there seems to be none. The mere fact of being able to capture beauty, even if only for our own good, will assure us of immorality. It's a real pity that such a masterpiece wasn't acclaimed at that time as it should have been. Personally, I believe that that happened because many people were more focused on repressing Oscar Wilde's private life rather than recognize his immense and pure talent. Who knows, if we would have been able to appreciate Wilde, if he had lived today, we'll never know. As usual, I'll see you next week.